0: Welcome into a new episode of Locked on Knicks and Alex. I'm very excited. I don't get to talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I'm a big football fan. And in particular, I'm a big New York Giants fan. And we have the perfect guest to talk about that today. Patricia Traina. She's the host of the Locked on Giants podcast. She also does some writing for Sports Illustrated. Um, this was a great conversation, Alex. I'm, ex- I'm excited
1: to get into it. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, You know, even for a Jets fan like myself, we managed to have some kind of wide-ranging discussions. Uh, A a lot of parallels, you know, from the Knicks to the Giants and and the Jets. And, you know, just kind of New York sports in general, talking about management strategies, uh, how the Giants have invested in certain players, but also just some talk about the Giants in general, which, you know, we're in the longest offseason in Knicks history, so we got to talk about something else from time to time. For those of you that are Giants fans, this is a really good discussion. For those of you that aren't Giants fans, I think you'll still find it very interesting. So we'll get into all that next on Locked on Knicks.
2: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Start. five. Ewing for the Hucks left, now fires it, and he's good, and he's fouled, and he's fouled, and Anthony
1: for three. Five, that one goes down. This is all back up, off the glass, it's good, R.J. Byrne. Becomes infectious.
0: Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. As promised, it's the senior writer for GiantsCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated. Also, um, for our purposes, most importantly, the host of the Locked on Giants podcast, uh, Patricia Trena. Uh, Patricia also wrote a a book um, called Big 50, Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on with us, Patricia. And uh, we, we had an opportunity last week to do a crossover with Locked On Rangers. I had so much fun with that. I just thought, given that it's the start of football season, we'd have you on. And uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we're excited to have you. Um, are are you excited today for some Giants football?
2: Oh, my gosh, guys. Let me tell you, I did not think we were going to have a football season. Certainly not on time. I am thankful that it is here. I am excited. I, you know, as I I was uh, corresponding with Gavin before we started recording, I have a full day today, but you know what? I love it. And I am as ready as they come.
1: You know, to say that we're jealous is probably an understatement, considering the NBA keeps pushing back all the things important to Knicks fans. (laughs) But at least there is NBA basketball going on that we've got to enjoy, but yeah, we're probably looking at a man draft uh, in November now, I think, when it was supposed to be in June and started the season anywhere from January to March of next year. So we might go a full year without Knicks basketball. So to oh, say my. that we are a little jealous of the Giants and Jets football situation right now is probably putting it lightly. I don't know, Gavin, if that speaks for you as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it 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 certainly does. Though I I I just I'm kind of taking. I mean, from a work perspective, it's very tough. But I'm I'm taking solace in the fact that we we have all four major sports going on right now, which I'm not. I'm not quite sure if if that's ever happened before, uh, Patricia. I want to. I'm a I'm a massive Giants fan. Alex is is a Jets fan. Um, so we can we we can we can address that at any point. Um, but I, I wanted to to get into the Giants a little bit with you because I'm I'm pretty excited for the season. I'm very excited to see this offense. Uh, Daniel Jones, a guy who when they drafted, I was mystified and very upset, and I was like, I, I don't understand why they're making this pick. By and large, very good his rookie season. Um, I'll just, I'll leave it pretty open-ended. Uh, wh- what are your expectations for this Giants season?
2: I just want to see them be competitive. I, I don't know that they are going to be the 49ers, like, you know, how the 49ers turned it around last year. Um, but I want to see competitiveness. I want to see improvement every week. I want to see that they're headed in the right direction. I have no idea how many games they're going to win. If I had to take a guess, I would say seven, eight games if we're lucky. Um, but what I don't want to see is, you know, a lack of effort or guys making business decisions or, or guys not developing. That's what we saw last year. And it was very, very frustrating. I did not think that was a four win team last year. And, um, you know, that's what they ended up doing. And I just think we need to see some kind of progress.
0: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or the Knicks overpaid an aging point guard. Or we just avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or the Knicks haven't made the conference finals in 20 years. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with a free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and very discreet. Getting started is super easy. All you got to do is go to Roman.com slash XXX and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnMBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Get GetRoman.com slash LockedOnMBA.
1: Well, the Giants, unlike the Jets, were smart enough to go out and get a new coach this offseason, and they brought in Joe Judge. It seems like the early reviews are pretty good on him. Uh, it seems like he's got, the, he's got the locker room. You know, the players seem like they it's, – it's tough to say if they like playing for him or whatever because we weren't given any preseason, you know, to sort of see how things look on the sidelines or whatever. But at least the early returns, it seems like to me from practice from afar – Seems like Judge is doing pretty good. What kind of impact do you think Judge is going to have on the Giants this year as far as, uh, you know, hopefully playing more to their potential, to your point, than they did last year?
2: Yeah, um, I'll tell you what. I like what I have seen and heard from Judge so far. Um, This is a guy who covers every little detail, including some details that you didn't think had to be covered or didn't didn't even exist, you know. Um, This guy has done and said all the right things. He has shown himself to be a players coach and that he cares about his players. But at the same time, he also expects a lot out of them, as he should, because they're all in it together. And, you know, he the thing that I like about him that I don't think he gets enough credit for is he explains why things have to be done. He doesn't just say, okay, you know what? You've got to run a lap and doesn't tell you why you have to run a lap. He doesn't tell you, you know, why you you got kicked out of practice. He explains it. You know, he, if you commit a penalty in a game, 15 yards, it's going to hurt the team. So we can't have that. And you have to learn that. So I like that about him. And I think that's why you have a lot of players buying in to what he is selling right now. And I know there's been some concern from from talking heads on the outside you know are they going to is is he going to lose the locker room if they don't win I don't think that will be the case this isn't like you know when Tom Coughlin first came into the NFL and or or into the Giants I should say where it was strictly my way or the highway and uh I I think judge gets it you know
0: yeah I'm I, I don't know. All, all the stories you hear are just kind of, kind of nuts. So I've, I've, I've sort of reserved judgment. Obviously, as, as a good pedigree coming from uh, Bill Belichick's coaching factory over in New England, um, I, I've we've heard uh, Patricia. Can you confirm this? Uh, assistant coaches have to run laps when their units mess up. Is that, is that a thing?
2: That was in the beginning of camp. That was a thing. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um. That's cool. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, think about it. Everybody is accountable to each other. And, yeah. you know, if, if the offensive line screws up, you know, they, they miss a snap count, you know, is, shouldn't the offensive line, you know, if it's all for one and one for all, shouldn't the offensive line coach be included in having to run laps?
0: Yeah, I kind of I like it. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the live hitting, though. A- Alex, I could, see, I could see Tom Thibodeau potentially implementing something similar on the Knicks next year.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting to see uh, Kenny Payne running laps around the court. If uh, you know, if if whatever center, probably not Mitchell Robinson. I don't know. Maybe Kenny Payne won't have to run that many laps with Mitchell Robinson uh, down low and and being the one accountable on defense. But I guess we'll see. And you know what? Actually, invoking Mitch's name kind of uh, kind of brings up something that I'm a little intrigued by. We just did a couple episodes uh, about Mitchell Robinson and. And Patricia, I don't know how much you follow basketball, but there's a lot of discussion uh, amongst Knicks fans recently because our best player is a center. And in the current NBA, the center is sort of like the non-premium position. It's like the position you don't typically pay a ton of money to until you're absolutely ready to and you think it's the the finishing piece of your team being a contender. I think it's interesting. There's sort of a parallel there because the Giants, I think, have probably the same thing going on. They've been... Criticize a little different in the circumstances that led to it, but the Giants were criticized at the time for taking Saquon Barkley as early as they did, and it's obvious that he's a generational running back talent. I mean, I think all you got to do is watch him for all five minutes, and you realize that he's. I mean, the second he stepped on NFL field, he was one of the best backs in the league. But I think the the thing that surrounded Saquon is the fact that by taking him so high in the draft, he became. One of the highest paid running backs in the league, like from the first day that he stepped on the field and in the NFL where you have such a huge roster and there's so many spots you have to fill. You know, typically, I think running back is one of those where you hope to get someone later in the draft, pay them less money and maybe even run a committee and, and, you know, have that position just kind of be switched out based on situation. Uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on on Saquon. Overall, as far as the Giants are concerned and like them building going forward, because it's there's a lot of the same kind of cap gymnastics you have to go over in football as there are in basketball. I think even though it's a much larger roster, different salary cap, it's more of a hard cap of the NFL, stuff like that. But there's like interesting discussions to be had. I'm just kind of curious where you stand on Saquon and him being as highly paid as he is in what's considered to be a largely non-premium position in the NFL these days.
2: Well, I mean, I think you look over the weekend, you saw a bunch of running backs get paid. And, you know, you can even go back further when you saw Christian McCaffrey of Carolina get paid. The thing with Saquon that has always bothered me, and I made this this comparison actually on my podcast, Lothan Giants, Saquon is kind of like that gadget you buy in a store that you spend like $500 for that can do, you know, a a million different things. And you, you make the investment, and you get the gadget home and you only use it for maybe three or four things, at which point it now becomes a questionable you know, investment, because if you're going to spend that kind of money, why not use everything that that gadget has to offer? So with Saquon, the first two years of his career he wasn't really used as a, as a receiving threat, other than for like a check down here and there and whatnot. But, you know, we saw in practice, for example, how he was sent in on wheel routes and he was matched up against linebackers and defensive backs and whatnot. And he would beat those guys. And, you know, you would also see him on screens and stuff. And then when it would come time to the game, you wouldn't see that stuff. And you would say to yourself, what is going on here? Why are they not running it? It worked in practice. What? Why have they not done it? And it's funny because, you know, I used to joke with readers. I used to say, uh, you know, people, honest to God, we saw this in practice. It does exist. So I think with Saquon, if you use him and his talents to, to the max, it's going to be a worthwhile investment. But that has been the problem the last couple of years with the Giants. So the good news is, Jason Garrett is not afraid to use a running back to his fullest potential. So we will see how he starts to deploy Saquon. If it's anything like what we saw in training camp, I think Giant fans are going to be very pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a very astute observation by you, Patricia, and an excellent point, because to me, that, that's sort of the big thing when people talk about running back value in the NFL. It's like, all right, but is he also a, a receiver? Because that's when you have someone like Alvin Kamara who got a five year, $77 million contract and you immediately saw like the collective like NFL Twitter being like, oh boy, another running back getting overpaid. We know how this ends. But if you have someone who's genuinely dynamic in the open field and can be multifaceted, I to me that that's ultimately where football is going sort of the same direction as basketball. It's a little bit more positionless, a little bit more interchangeable. And, and the running back spot is is really sort of the fulcrum of that evolution and having a guy who who one play can can take it on a draw, next play can bounce out, run a wheel, run it out. Um and, and to me that that's really where Saquon's value is, particularly with how poor the offensive line has been for the Giants the last couple of seasons. I mean, they'll all you wanna do is get that guy in space on a cornerback and and who's who's tackling him twenty yards down the field. Um, I, I think that's where he can really, really be a weapon, really be an asset, especially because he, he's a natural pass catcher and it'll it'll be kind of fascinating going forward to see. Uh, what the Giants are going to have to pay him, particularly like if he doesn't like obviously his rookie year was amazing. But if, if he can't put together that full season of health a- and and to me, his success is so contingent on on just how far that Giants offensive line
1: has come. So that that's sort of what I wanted to touch on next. Just a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, in case you haven't heard. And in, also in case you haven't heard, they somehow have improved Built Bar and made it even deliciouser. Look it up. Built Bar is right next to the word "deliciouser" in the dictionary. That's because they added six brand-new flavors, bringing the total to 18. You now have six new flavors that include Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. That goes along with the 12 original flavors, some of which you might have already been familiar with, like Banana Bread, Mint Brownie, Salted Caramel, and Orange, maybe also Toffee Almond. That's one of my favorites. And just like before, built bars are still covered in 100% natural chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, kind of like a denser Three Musketeers bar, as I've said before. And now somehow taste even better, which I didn't think was possible, but they do. Uh, on top of it, built bars are pretty good for you. They're, you know, if you're looking for just a, a big shot in the arm of protein without much filler or anything else to, to weigh you down, this is the bar that you need. And it, it doesn't taste like eating a piece of sidewalk chalk covered in waxy chocolate. It doesn't taste like it's all made out of, like, Rice Krispies, basically, with some protein mixed in and sugar and all kinds of other crap. It's just straight-up protein that somehow does not have a lot of sugar and tastes like a candy bar. It kind of defies the laws of everything. But they pulled it off. I, I'm not sure how. But, for example, the peanut butter bar has 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. And if you go with one of the nut-free bars, which, by the way, are prepared in nut-free facilities for those of you with allergies, say the cookies and cream bar, that has 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. You're really not going to find better. You know, Let's say we're talking about advanced stats, make this a basketball thing. You're not going to find better advanced stats on a protein bar than you are on a built bar. So, if you're interested in picking up some built bars for yourself, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off at builtbar.com.
0: Where do you think the Giants are at in terms of protection? Obviously, spending a top five pick on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Andrew Thomas, I think, out of Georgia. And I I just um, I mean, I've been waiting for years for them to build up the offensive line. And I'm always mystified when teams invest in a quarterback and then don't direct all their capital towards protecting him because you can't determine how good of a pick it was um, unless the guy has time to throw. So I think it matters a lot for Daniel Jones. It matters a lot for Saquon. And to me, it'll sort of make or break their season.
2: Oh, absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head. And, you know, for years, the Giants went with the patchwork approach, which drove me crazy. Now, you know, to be fair, they did invest premium picks in Justin Pugh and Western Richburg, um, Eric Flowers, who didn't work out. You know, it's not about that they didn't invest in high picks. It's the quality, I think, of the picks were the fit of what they were trying to do. You know, you also look at some of the blocking schemes and were the blocking schemes a fit for, you know, what Saquon Barkley, what they wanted to do with him or or the protection, you know, who who was able to be to work without chip help, for example. And that's where I think the Giants kind of missed the boat. So they they ended up when Dave Gettleman, the general manager, came in, they ended up having to sign Nate Solder to at the time what was the richest contract in the NFL for an offensive tackle because they had whiffed on Eric flowers. So they have finally, I think gotten away from that patchwork approach and are now, uh, working, uh, towards building that, that unit from scratch. So they've got Will Hernandez, who was a second round pick, Andrew Thomas, a first round pick, um, Nick Gates is the center. He was a, a, a he's homegrown. He was undrafted, but a homegrown development, um, Kevin Zeitler, who they traded for. And, you know, eventually they're going to put Matt Peart at right tackle for for Cameron Fleming. Matt Peart, a third-round pick this year. So they finally, you know, have gotten away from getting athletes and getting, you know, and and are now getting football players, which I think is where they they fell short and they're building the offensive line in the past.
1: You know, it's funny. Talking about GM decisions and all that, I feel like a staple – in New York sports is that it, at least outside of the honeymoon period, pretty much every fan of every New York team hates their GM after a year or two. Uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on Gettleman. I, I know, I mean, as a Jets fan, again, I, you know, I went through the the period of uh, hating Mike McCagnon for how he drafted and how he built the roster, or lack thereof. Um, I feel like I mean, again, you know, I'm not really super invested in like Giants Twitter and all that, like keeping up with the the fan pulse. But some people that, you know, I I follow because of the Knicks are also Giants fans and so on and so forth. And I see a lot of people tend to rag on Gettleman and not really uh, like his moves. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Gettleman as far as the job that he's done so far, Um, because, you know, again, the Knicks are now on another president of basketball operations after, I don't know, we're on like three in the last like six years or something like that. Um, So it feels like there's always turnover. And and it seemed at least for a bit that Gettleman might be on the hot seat as well, kind of like McCagnan was with the Jets.
2: Well, I, I I can't sit here and say that I agree with everything that Gettleman has done. I see the reason behind what he's doing. Um, with every one of his moves, but I don't agree with all of them. Like, for example, you know, go back to Jonathan Stewart. The first year he brought him in and said that there was still stuff left in the tank. And also he wanted Jonathan Stewart to kind of serve as a mentor to Saquon Barkley. So I didn't have a problem with that, but I did have a problem with the contract that they gave him. I thought it was a little too rich considering they, they were competing against themselves. You know, people nowadays, uh, currently, they're... they're flagging uh, gentlemen, for what happened with DeAndre Baker, the cornerback that, that you know, they just had a release after he ran afoul of the law. And there was really, you know, nothing in Baker's background. You know, the, people have to understand there's a difference between a guy being lazy and a guy having, you know, an unsavory character. And there was nothing in his background that suggested he was an unsavory character. You know, I can go back and I can remember some of the Giants greats who, you know, started off as lazy players and they turned it around and they matured and they, they went on to have successful careers. So I think that's what the Giants were looking at with DeAndre Baker. Um, you know, has Gettleman made every right move? No, nobody bats a thousand. But I do think that overall... He does have a plan for the team. You can kind of see how it's come together. Now, whether or not that plan produces, that's another story. You know, what's that old saying about the best laid plans and all that stuff? So I just think, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and come to a snap reaction over a move that's made or a move that's not made. But I think sometimes you just have to let it play out and see if it was the right decision after all.
0: All right, Patricia. We're we're running very low on time, but I, I just need to know as a Giants fan, oh, uh, what should I expect out of Daniel Jones in year two?
2: I think Daniel Jones is first of all. I have to say he he looks much bigger, much stronger. He's been working to correct some of the deficiencies in his his game. We did see a couple of the bad habits creep into his his uh, second to last scrimmage specifically with ball security, where he took the hand off the ball after showing throughout practice that he had that left hand glued to the ball. Um, The thing with Daniel Jones that I'm going to be looking for and that I don't yet know where he is, is can he speed up his decision making process? I thought at times last year he spent far too much time standing in the pocket, looking around, trying to decide where to go with the ball. And some of the sacks he ended up absorbing, which were credited to the offensive line, were actually on Daniel Jones because he held on to the ball so long. So I want to see him make faster decisions. I want to see how he does against defenses that are, you know, more complex. And I think the Steelers are a really good test for that. Um, I want to see, obviously, ball security. And I just want to see him continue some of the good things he showed last year, namely that coolness and that calmness in the uh, pocket and that ability to just be a leader. I mean, already we've seen a difference in his leadership style from that of Eli Manning. He's a little bit more vocal. You know, we saw him break down the huddle the other day in in, in the scrimmage, the final scrimmage, something we never saw Eli Manning do. And we've also seen Daniel step up and kind of be a voice on that team, which, again, Eli was a voice, but not in the same way. He kind of did his thing behind the scenes. So I think, you know, I'm bullish on Daniel Jones. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, but only time will tell, and he's only going to be as good as, you know, the effort he's put in and the talent around him.
0: All right. Thank you so, so much, Patricia, for taking the time to come on. Uh, Before I send you off, I I know you're going to make a bunch of appearances today. We're going to get this podcast up in a little bit. Can they tell people where they can find you? Um, I mean, maybe just this week, opening week and also throughout the season.
2: Yeah, um, so I earlier today I did a, a podcast with uh, Peter Schwartz. That's on my Twitter account. You can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina. Usually I post, um, you know, the appearances. I call them programming alerts. If you want to read my work, you can visit me on GiantsCountry.com, which is an SI.com sports channel. I, of course, am the host of the Locked on Giants podcast. And uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff this week. It's going to be a short work week, a busy work week. But, hey, I'm glad to have football back. Can't say that enough.
0: We're jealous of you, and uh, thank you. (laughs) Really appreciate it, Patricia.
2: Thank you.